0: Hello, and welcome to the Language of Mindfulness podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to have more great conversations in your life. You want to connect, you want to speak authentically, and you want to listen deeply. This is how to do it, and it's the real deal. So why should you listen to the language of mindfulness? Because in every episode, I'm gonna give you tips and guidance I've learned in my pretty extensive career of coaching and practice from the best and brightest in the field of interpersonal communications, public speaking, meditation, group leadership, and somatic psychology. And we're gonna have interviews with some amazing people about their groundbreaking work.
1: If you can help lawyers find a little bit more calm and clarity and understand emotions and loving kindness and caring, Um, You can change a, a whole community that way.
0: It's my goal to give actionable and uncommon tips and advice in every episode that you can implement right away. So subscribe or follow now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you don't listen, you're going to miss some great stuff that you just won't hear anywhere else. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and welcome to the Language of Mindfulness. So I'm ecstatic to have today on the show Claire Parsons from the Brilliant Legal Mind blog. And um, you should follow her on LinkedIn as well. She's posting some amazing stuff. And I ran into Claire because I was looking around. And she, she was posting this great stuff, and it was all about... Uh, attorneys in the field of you know the legal field. I'm going now. Who does that? Well, it turns out Claire does that. She's a speaker, an author, a lawyer, and a meditation teacher. So, welcome to the Language of Mindfulness podcast, Claire.
1: Thank you very much. So
0: tell us a little bit about uh, your work and and how in the heck did you get involved with mindfulness in the legal field?
1: Um, Yeah. So actually it was really through my my practice and um, through just my life. Um, I was a philosophy major in college. Mm -hmm. And so I had never taken an Asian philosophy course, but a few years out of school, I found a book on Buddhism and read it mostly because I just didn't know a lot Uh about it. And I was just curious. So just what Um, the heck is
0: this? And you just decided to check it
1: out? Honestly, yeah. I mean, I've always been kind of curious and I've always read, I mean, I still read philosophy and I've always been pretty interested in just the philosophy of the Mm. mind and human nature and that kind of stuff. So I was stuck at Barnes and Noble one night with my family and I just kind of wandered into that section and picked up the book and then like a few, it sat on my bookshelf for a while. And then a few years later, I finally read it and it was like one of the better arguments I'd ever read about the human experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'd read Kant and Aristotle and all of those people, and there was always some fatal flaw, but I kind of couldn't find it when I read the book about Buddhism. I thought it was really, it made a lot of sense. And so I was like, I'm going to start meditating. Well, I didn't do that. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I I dabbled and played with it and tried it every now and then, but I never really got a consistent practice. That was until I had a very difficult pregnancy with my first daughter. Mm. I, she was diagnosed IUGR. She was small and you can't tell right now, but I'm Uh 5'11". I've always been like the tallest kid in my class and everything. And so having a small baby was the last thing I expected. All of a sudden I had to have a partial work schedule. Mm. I had all these feelings like I did something wrong to cause it. I had all the shame. And then when she was born, I couldn't breastfeed her. Mm. So I was just attacking myself mercilessly from this whole experience. And I really was isolating myself too. And so after that, when I went back to work, I was so busy and stressed out, it really kind of was a wake-up call for me. Mm. And I started sitting because I was so busy at work and she still wasn't sleeping through the night and all of that, that um, I just needed something to help me stay steady and it helped. So this was survival Um,
0: mechanism work here then, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I honestly don't know where the idea to start meditating came Mm. from. I, I, I mean, it was just something I remembered, I read about and was kind of interested in, and so I did. And actually it it helped because I think I was successful at the beginning because I had already read a lot about meditation Mm -hmm. um, and continued reading some books. So I kind of knew a lot of the strategies and tips when I finally started to sit. Um, So a lot of those early problems that people tend to have, I actually didn't. Because you had Um, read about it. And so
0: people, when you started to encounter those, you go, oh, wait, I remember I read about that. And so you just jump over the problem.
1: Yeah, like like dealing with an itch or something like that. I had read uh, Mindfulness in Plain English, and he suggests focusing on the itch instead of trying to avoid it. <laughs> and I found that, I was like, hey, that actually works. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, So I actually knew already how to deal with some of those like really basic issues um, because I had read about it. And so, yeah, so it helped me. And then I had all these little things creep into my life that were just all of a sudden beneficial. Mm-hmm. Like I started rushing less. I... Um, started having, you know, my I used to have stress headaches, like in my neck and my my head, mm. and um, meditation would help with that. Uh, they would go away, um, and then over time, I started doing things like exploring self compassion practices and things like that, and that's where things really started to change for me. Mm. And I just started to change my life, kind of from the ground up. So it wasn't meditation changed my life. Meditation just helped me face the preliminary hurdles yes. and get over those. And then I changed my life. And so that's, that's been why I've become so passionate. And about so
0: meditation it. seemed like it was like the, you know, get the ER version, you know, like save my life so I can continue functioning. And then, but once you kind of had that going and please straighten me out, if I get this wrong, it sort of naturally segregated to, oh, well. Now I can do this other stuff because I've got this meditation practice going, and I can begin to do this self-compassion work. And you said that's where things began to change. What what began to change for you? What did you notice shifted in your life whenever you started to do that work?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of things. Like almost my whole life. I mean, so one of the things was that I was a big overthinker, and I'd constantly criticize and second guess and just mull over almost mm-hmm. everything. So I wouldn't take action a lot. Like I would have good ideas um, for things, but I wouldn't do them. And then I would feel stuck and wonder whether my career is ever going to go anywhere. Uh-huh. Well, once I started meditating, I started learning. I'm still a big thinker and I still overthink yeah. things and I want to <laughs> ask everyone their opinion. And well, you know, you're kind of that, in, the, in but... that
0: business, right? You're getting paid to be a thinker, yeah, that's you know? That. Yeah, true
1: true so you can't escape it entirely but what i eventually learned to do was get out of the thoughts and start acting mm. like i wanted to write an article i wanted to put a presentation together i wanted to create a group with my local bar association of other women lawyers cuz i wanted i wanted that support yeah. so i went and did it mm. and it helped my career another thing was that i was really lonely um, mm-hmm. early in my law practice i had gone away to school and i was away from my hometown for a long time and when i came back I didn't have a circle of friends. My husband and I are both introverts. So we're, we're cool, like sitting at home most of the yeah. time. Like that's kind of <laughs> What's our, the problem our here, you know, right? stomping ground. But like after a while I started to notice that I started to feel lonely or kind of down, but mm. I wasn't really acknowledging it. And I felt a lot of shame around it. So I wasn't doing much. I, I was telling myself the story that I'm, you know, people don't like me and that's why I I don't have friends. When the reality was, I was not making an effort to make friends right. and build. Yeah. Community. And so you had a story so, around it.
0: Like I'm not likable somehow, but really it's, you just absolutely. weren't reaching out.
1: But I started to reach out and I was like, Oh, I'm actually good at making there friends. You go. Um, and then the other thing was um, just letting myself play with and experiment with stuff and just listening to what I wanted to do and how I felt in my mm-hmm. life. And that can be as easy as, you know i'm hungry so i'm gonna go get lunch because like i'm gonna i'm a hungry person <laughs> the basics so I matter. So <laughs> yeah i get so busy doing stuff that i forget to eat and then i have a nightmare day because i get into a fight and cause all kinds of issues but it can also be stuff like you know i really enjoy writing and mm. i kind of wanted to pursue that for a long time um for for several years i had thought about starting a blog or writing more and it wasn't until a few years after I started meditating that I really started to do that more. And it was gradual, but like it was a, some, adding that creative outlet to my life, which includes writing on LinkedIn mm. and other other articles and things I've written. Adding that to my life has um, increased my satisfaction, helped my law practice, mm. um, helped my life, helped me form a community. It's done more for my life than almost anything and i think meditation is really how i got there i see so i would say kind of those three things are the major things that i changed
0: well that's a lot so your meditation practice your turning to self compassion your reaching out activity you know it sort of like you began to experiment in a way with like well what happens if i just kind of reach out to the world oh well, gee i can i can have friends and i can i can begin to do other things and and in the process of like exploring what lights you up kind of is the way in my language I use that kind of like what what are your natural strengths? And you you said, you know, the other thing here is I like to write and and doing that not only gives you a creative outlet but has connected you even deeper into in more in more ways with professionally as well as personally. That's an amazing story. I love to. I love that. So how's, how is the receptivity for this story in the legal world?
1: I, I mean, I was really worried about that, Brett, at the beginning. I'll tell you. I mean, and I, I'm from, I don't know if you said where I was from, but I'm from northern Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, so um, right outside of Cincinnati, and northern Kentucky is a pretty conservative yeah. area. Um, it's a very Christian area. And um, not that I necessarily espouse Buddhism when I teach to lawyers, I talk about mindfulness more from a secular and scientific standpoint. Um, just because I think that lawyers are more receptive sure. to it. But like, I was worried that people would think I was a hippie. <laughs> um, I was I was worried that people would think I wasn't a tough litigator who could handle hard cases. Um, and uh, I, I was I was really worried, like, what even some of my family members might mm. think. And the reality has been that um, people have been really receptive to it. And I, you know, even, you know, when I started presenting on mindfulness, I felt this compulsion to not just talk about awareness. I felt that I could not in good conscience, Hmm. not talk about loving kindness and compassion practices. Thank you for that. Yeah, and I think for, for two reasons. One is, I think as a practical matter, you can't just, you can't really have awareness without some level of compassion, because you just have to have that softening force to be able to tolerate it and to be able to really grow Well,
0: right, and I think that, but, it, it, pardon me, I think it, it, that that when you really kind of get present with yourself, that just sort of emerges if you have a state of non-judgmental, and suddenly you find yourself in this compassionate space, because... That's kind of, in my system, my belief is that's kind of who we are naturally. And so when you land in that, lo and behold, that your compassion level rises automatically.
1: Absolutely. I've experienced that. And I think that's part of how we're wired. I also think like you can cultivate that. And the more you do, I think that's where the better actions come from. And I think like, you know, when I'm talking to lawyers and professionals, um, you know, I'm talking to them and I think the value in me talking to them is that I'm one of them. I'm not a clinician, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist. I'm somebody who's lived their life and so I can help interpret it for them. But the other value that I really see is that we touch so many lives. Mm-hmm. Lawyers help people make decisions for corporations and huge entities. Um they affect individual in their individual clients. So if you can help lawyers find a little bit more calm and clarity, and understand emotions and loving kindness and caring, um, you can change a, a whole community that way. And so, when I started talking about you know these things, I had to bring in the loving kindness, but it, it scared me uh-huh. um, because it is something that's ooey gooey and makes people feel nervous. <laughs> Americans, you know, really struggle to send loving kindness to themselves. It's true. And so um, when I first started presenting, I, the first time I presented was for women professionals and it went really, really mm. well um, because women, you know, women need this and they're a little more comfortable with emotion. Yeah. The next time after that was for a bunch of civil defense attorneys uh, in Kentucky.
0: <laughs> the heart of living presents. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, some of them were guys from Kentucky, and I went and presented it, and actually they liked it. And one guy, um, an older an older attorney from Kentucky, came up and said, "Hey, I went to the Cincinnati Zen Center back in the seventies. Oh, there you go. So I kind of know about this." And right. so it was kind of ex, like these ex hippies now have civil
0: defense jobs. Right. Exactly. That's so yeah. Funny.
1: So it's like, you know, it, it actually hasn't been, um, bad at all. I mean, and I've, I've started to find a lot of other lawyers and other people, you know, who do a lot of the same things too, by, by writing and speaking about it. So it's not really as weird as you think. I think it depends on how you talk about it and your approach. Mine is very practical. Um, and I try to make it real for people um, so they know that I'm not selling them a bill of goods. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm um, offering them a strategy that can really help. Well, that's
0: what I love about your approach is you have a very practical, this stuff works sort of mentality about it in presentation. And you're bringing a very, you know, um, raising it by the bootstrap sort of thing. Like I, I did this work myself. I know this works. And then you obviously have a flair for A talent for speaking about it in an impassioned and concise, practically uh, way that helps it be applied in people's lives. It's so funny that this topic of uh, loving presence came up because I was was reading about this just this morning, and I wanted to just read to you something I had sent to another person, another coach this morning. I was reading on this website, mindfulselfdiscovery.com slash the practice of loving presence, and I'll post this in the show notes. And the, and this is from um, when I was, my first introduction to the notion of loving presence came from Ron Kurtz, who founded the Hakomi Method of Psychotherapy, and he was Buddhist-inspired. And he had this whole practice of somatic psychology, mindfulness-based somatic psychology, like back in the early 80s, this whole thing started. And um, and he shifted from a, from a teaching of here are techniques that therapists can do to what the most important thing is, is not so much what the therapist does, but the state of being of the therapist and the relationship between the client and the therapist that that, and, and the, and the reason he got to that is because some science came out that said, you know what, we did all this surveying, and it turned out that the relationship was the most important determiner of how effective the therapy was. It didn't matter what they did, the kind of therapy. It was really how was the therapist in terms of creating a good relationship. And the whole thing got down to a loving presence. And so he created this workshop called Loving Presence, which I I took back in the day. And here's this quote, the basic idea of this whole approach called the practice of loving presence is that it is possible to set up a specific pattern of interaction between two or more people, members of a community or support group, for example, which enhances the probability of a peaceful healing relationship, as well as creative and successful interactions. And this is speaking to your point that that there are practices, that there are things that you can do to facilitate um, you know, the emergence of loving presence in ourselves and between each other. And that's where my language of mindfulness moniker comes from. It's like something that w- when we engage in a space of loving presence, that that invokes a, something that we, that goes on between us. We're actually speaking a, a mutual language. So I wanted to ask you, like, what kinds of things can people do to kind of help bring into um, an intentional focus um, the capacity to be in a state of loving presence or to express from that place.
1: So, I mean, here's here's what I'll kind of talk about from actually my work as a lawyer. Um, Honestly, like lawyers know this Mm. stuff, we do it all the time. And this was something that, you know, I kind of had to figure out and wrestle with a little bit when I was doing my meditation teacher training, because I was learning, I had done some guided meditations and things, but I was really learning what my style Mm -hmm. was. And I kind of was like, well, what's my meditation teacher voice (laughs) And the more guided meditations I listened to. And like when I didn't like one or sometimes I liked one. I started to realize that my meditation teacher voice is my lawyer voice. <laughs> it's also my, my mom voice. You know, we are we have hearing this that now. What's your,
0: what are we hearing that?
1: No, I mean, this is like just me talking, <laughs> but like, um, I think like we have this capacity as humans, we have enough life experience, most of us, and maybe we, some of us need to refine this, but we have a capacity to help, be calm, Mm. to help be leaders for other people when they're, you know, when, when everyone in the room is going crazy, when we have to be the calm voice, Mm. we have those capacities. Um, We have capacities to refocus our the people that we're leading and helping and Mm -hmm. redirect their attention to something beneficial. So it's not always a soft ooey gooey, um, you know, mealy mouth thing that we're talking about. Sometimes this this um, capacity for loving presence, you know, there's a structure to it because you have to be offering, you know, some level of support, and that's supporting yourself while supporting someone mm-hmm. else. So there's some level so, of power and strength that has to be there, but that yeah. softness, that yeah. approach, that has to be there too. And you know, when I'm talking to my clients a lot, like particularly when I'm talking about, you know, I represent school officials, so those school officials will tell you that the number one thing they need in order to educate students is not money. It's building relationships with those students. Mm-hmm. Um, I also represent other local government officials and you know the police officers and EMTs and city officials I work with, they know that if they don't have a relationship with someone, they're not able to provide the right services and supports. They're not able to address mm-hmm. the situations. We all know this as human beings. And when we pay attention, mm-hmm. We can really learn to skillfully navigate life to bring that in. But we don't always pay attention. We're often moving too fast. So like, if you want to really bring in the loving kindness and loving presence to a relationship, I think the first thing is slow down, think about how Mm -hmm. you want to present when you walk into this interaction, be aware of the energy you're bringing, be aware of the judgments Mm -hmm. and reactions you might have. You know, I'm a person without a poker face, so watch your facial expressions be mindful of the words mm-hmm. you choose. But in general, you wanna be open and receptive. And when they bring emotion in, don't block it. I mean, maybe you yes. can't can address it, I think, and you can respond to it and set boundaries if needed. But if you try to block anger, it just, they'll throw it right back at you. Um, so that's mm-hmm. general. I mean, I, I think that we all do this in our work, in our life. I don't think this is something only psychologists do. I think this is all of us. We just, we don't all pay attention to it to the refined level that psychologists do.
0: Well, I think that's extremely well said in the sense and, and part of my mission in a way is when I was doing this work to being trained as a somatic therapist, as I was looking around the room and going, these guys have all the goods here and they're kind of keeping it to themselves. There's like all these amazing skills, you know, and so a big part of what I've been doing is lift, lifting and shifting some of those skill sets out into the into the wild, you know, so was, so how, and, and it's like you said, creating relationships, like what you, what you enumerated was, being aware of yourself, stepping into an interaction with a sense of how am I showing up, right, and what is my impact here? That is an extremely mindful place to be, because you have to be aware of the state that you're in. Like I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm compassionate, I'm on un- something. Whatever's going on, it's not. I'm not saying right or wrong. Just being aware of it, and then. What do I wish to have occur? Who do I want to be here? And I, I love what you said about being in a loving uh, state, a loving, a state of loving presence in a room full of people that are kind of going crazy, and you speaking up as the voice of, let's calm this thing down here. Let's, you know, and and the reason I like that so much is because what I think you're you're speaking to is when you're really in that place and you speak. There's an inherent authority in it that isn't about, you know, I'm the boss, but it's like I'm speaking from a place of empowered uh, capacity of empowerment because I'm I'm connected to what the truth is. And the truth is that I care about you guys. And this also this group needs to relax a bit here and focus. And whenever you speak from that place, even though you don't necessarily say those exact words, people feel it. And they res because they resonates to something deeper in them, and that part of them wakes up and goes, "Oh, I I need to get deeper myself." And when I do, all this anxiety kind of calms down a little bit. Yeah,
1: exactly. So that's a
0: that's a really well well said what you. your, your skills are obvious in this way of enumerating and then this and then this. But slowing down, oh my gosh, yeah, it's like that's the number one thing. And in, in every mindfulness practice, it's like people coming in, well, I'm not sure I can actually be mindful. And it's like, all that's true. Take a breath, relax. And for the next one minute, you have nothing to do
1: what do you mean? I have
0: nothing to do. Just for one minute, you have nothing. Okay. You can't do a minute for 15 seconds. You have nothing to do. Well, okay then. And then, you know, oh my God, for 15 seconds, the air clears and you have a, a clear moment in your life and it changes your world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then you probably want that
1: minute though, after 15 seconds. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's the whole
0: point is like, you, you you know, you. but you can't even imagine a minute. It's like, there's a, there's a, You know, so so you you titrate it down. Some people they can't they can't let go of the notion that they can't be on point for a minute or an hour or fifteen minutes, but they can. So you just make them. How about five seconds? Can you relax for five seconds? Okay, I can manage five seconds. But then once it's like the camel's nose under the tent. You know, once that gets in there a little bit, it's like oh, the whole camel's in the tent now. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. So what, what are you doing with, um, um, are you have any projects or programs that you're putting out there to help, um, you know, evangelize your work or this, the notion of how this is going to help people in their careers?
1: Yeah. I mean, so like a, a couple things, I mean, with the blog, like I, I founded that just to, to help lawyers understand mindfulness from like a basic standpoint um, offer resources. And that's why I, I honestly, once I finished the meditation teacher program, I saw how much I already had written about mindfulness, how many guided meditations I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I, I felt like there was no reason that I should just sit on my computer uh, for my own benefit. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share it. So I've make, made a lot of that available. I'm working on some other projects and I hope at some point to have a, a four week course to, to teach some mindfulness. Uh, concepts great. but that's not yeah. available just yet um well, where can people yeah, so, get the meditations so the meditations are actually available on the website all embedded um, the website is brilliantlegalmind.com we have a resources page and they have we have several guided meditations and also a few past events where we've spoken about mindfulness concepts um, i also have a youtube page and i am also newly on insight timer um, where I have a few of the meditations up there. So yeah, so that, that's pretty cool. I also on the page, I've been doing some just little short videos about mindfulness concepts that are less than two minutes. So I have one page that's called learn to meditate in less than two minutes. And it's, it's kind of a joke, like you can't really learn it all in two minutes, but you can learn some little bits and pieces in two minutes. Um, but otherwise, every month on the blog, we have basics posts and offer resources and just con- th- thoughts about mindfulness and how you can really use it. And so that's where a lot of the meat is. But it's new, um, it's this thing that I created. And when it's your thing, you can kind of let it be what it is. So um, we're experimenting, and I-, I brought my friend on as a contributor. And so, you know, it's only a few months old. So I'm excited to see how it grows and changes. Um, I just did an Instagram live, which is huge for me because I don't know Instagram well at all. I know I love LinkedIn, yeah, um, but like Instagram, you know, I'm an old millennial, so Instagram scares me. Um, but it went okay, so we'll <laughs> see what else comes with it.
0: Cool, cool. TikTok snack, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, we'll see. Yeah, meditating TikTok. <laughs> I am. I just got on Clubhouse too, and I, I've done a couple of rooms on Clubhouse, so. We'll see about that one. That's kind of a whole new, a a brave new world for me there.
0: (laughs) Well, good for you. I'm really happy that you're, you know, you're putting the work out there because so many people need it and you're, you have such a skill for just sort of cutting through the the flack. And also, you know, like, uh, you know, you've named it and I think you're, you're spot on in terms of helping people who connect to, um, a method and a process that can really, really help them without the woo woo, you know, it's kind of like getting right straight into, this is science, this is going to do it. And then when they're, you know, now that you got them in the room and by the way, there's this thing called loving presence, which we're, and it's kind of like, and it's so super valuable. It's exactly what humanity needs right now, in my opinion. So I'm really happy that you're doing the work and I want to support you and continue to celebrate your work any way I can. And um, so let me know if there's anything I can do. Uh, and, and I just want to say, thanks, thanks for who you are and for powering through and being the voice that you are and reaching out to the world with the good stuff that you got.
1: All right, Thank you. I really appreciate the support. Sure. Uh,
0: my pleasure. So, uh, look her up at, uh, brilliantlegalminds.com and on Instagram, what's your Instagram handle?
1: So it's brilliantlegalmind.com and we are actually on LinkedIn. We are on um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we're Brilliant Legal Mind on all of them. I am Claire E. Parsons on LinkedIn, so um, I'm separate, but feel free to reach out and I'm happy. I actually look at my LinkedIn messages if you ever have questions. I, I
0: can testify because that's why we're talking today. So thank you so much and best wishes to you. Thanks, Brett. So that's a wrap on today's edition of the Language of Mindfulness podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If so, please leave us a review on iTunes and follow along on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We'd really appreciate it. And check us out at languageofmindfulness.com where you can sign up for a free coaching session or download our PDF on 8 Ways to Be More Mindful in a Virtual Meeting at languageofmindfulness.com slash 8, number 8, Ways. Thanks a ton, and we're looking forward to a lot of great new content coming up as well. Have a great one, and stay present. Thanks.